at yourself Do you like what you see? If you like what you see You're the person you should be Cause your reflection reflects In everything you do And everything you do Reflects on you When you wake up each day a very special day, what the Romans called a white pebble day, what we would tend to call a um, maybe a blue ribbon day. It's the date, December the 11th, 2012, of the release of the Blu-ray of the 1973 Hollywood movie Lost Horizon. This is also podcast 128, entitled Dissociated Chez d'Oeuvre. And it's about um, that movie, but not in light of the usual kind of, um, you know, critical faculties and observing faculties. You can look it up. Look it under the um, uh, Twilight Time or the Blu-ray Forum release schedule on this movie. And there are some. there's one very good uh, Blu-ray review of the movie by someone who understands it. Because the movie is really not so much about itself or at least this podcast is not about so much this movie as it is about uh, a kind of depth that um, occurs within the movie that is really worth talking about. Now, I call it dissociated because the film uh, has some elements in it which are highly incongruent. It is, um, and this is why it's almost always had a terrible reputation. And in some ways, when you look at it, there are some very heart-sinking aspects to it. There's... um, a kind of odd seriousness in the Liv Ullman character. It is a remake, by the way, of the famous Frank Capra movie based on James Hilton's novel, Lost Horizon. The costumes, the choreography of the children's dances, the static uh, camera work, the um, odd uh, fact of great Hollywood icons like Charles Boyer and, um, oh, many others, you'll notice them. Uh, going through this thing with this sort of um, kind of new age music like the world is a circle before the, uh, you know, Tim Rice world of Disney. Um, the um, uh, sumptuous, lush back rack melodies with the really very probing and serious but 
lightly serious lyrics of Hal David. And in light of his death and in light of a lot of things we think about the 60s and the early 70s and all sorts of attitudes we have today, and then there's one number which is notoriously politically incorrect, and yet it was the one hit of all the 10 or so sort of songs that were written by Backrack and David for this really wonderful dissociated movie. Only one was a major hit, well, a top 20 hit in the year it came out, and that's the one song today which makes a lot of people just want to run out of the theater as fast as they can, but I'm not going to talk about that. The fact that it's there is, in fact, a monument to the fading character of human fashionable thought, and the fact that what is uh, a hit today could be uh, something that would cause a lawsuit tomorrow or vice versa. And um, the, these things change all the time. But what is powerful about the movie is its incongruity of all these elements, which together make it really a very striking, heartfelt, emotional exercise. And I want to talk about um, uh, three songs, uh, one of which you've heard, one of which I'm mentioning, and then one of which I'm going to uh, end with. And the um, way to start with this film is to um, look it up on YouTube under Lost Horizon 19. 73 soundtrack and you can just press for free and you're not violating anything with these excerpts they just have a picture of the album cover you might say i'm looking at it i've got the original album here and the uh back rack cover uh album for some of the songs that he wrote which he now sings in the cover so i've got two but you'll see it and look at them and listen to them and they're very good you could also get the numbers through um itunes the cd uh and the dvd you'll have to actually order it's probably 23.99 or something like that and i think that's really the thing to get but start off and see what you think about the songs and the lyrics and the um i'll start off why these uh, this movie has spoken to me because it speaks to me uh, as relevant to what life is all about and what it's not about because that's what it's really about and this does not uh, originate with hal david <coughs> and burt Backrack or peter finch or Ross Hunter, <coughs> the producer. It originates with um, the miraculous short novel Lost Horizon by um, James Hilton. We visited the chapel of the school where James Hilton was a, a boy, the boarding school, um, which is in Cambridge, uh, England, just around the corner from where members of our family were living for a long time. And that's where the whole um, background to Goodbye Mr. Chips comes. He wrote the amazing... Um, novel, Random Harvest, which I truly recommend to you. And he also wrote uh, So Well Remembered, and he wrote uh, others. But I think his masterpiece still is Lost Horizon, in which he uh, depicts a world-weary, very, very smart and wise and gifted uh, career diplomat uh, um, uh, English in the 1920s who's just sort of had it with life and is suddenly kidnapped through design. Uh, in order to uh, be taken to a center of uh, contemplative solitude high in the um, in the Himalayas, where he discovers a community run by a Roman Catholic priest, uh, played originally by Sam Jaffe and then later played by um, Charles Boyer, and uh, where the Christian dimension comes into it. And uh, the uh, power of the movie is everyone ever who's ever seen it or thought about it, whether it's the early one or the later one I'm talking about, is in the situation of, you know, I don't want to be in this world, to quote the Eurogliders from the 80s, I don't want to live in this world. Um, we really um, want out, and yet we want out to the very things that we long for, which is 
solitude and God and contemplation and emotion and love between a man and a woman, love, romantic love, let's call it that, and uh, community. And it's all found by this man played by Peter Finch in the uh, Arnold Coleman in the old and Peter Finch in the new. And uh, Peter Finch finds it. And isn't it interesting that you always find God in connection with romance? Now, that is not an um, allergenic thing to say. That is not a strange thing to say. It's true of you. It's true of my listener. You have found God in connection with romantic love more than you found him anywhere else. Or rather, that is what opened you up to understand the longing and the nature of the desire for union and reconciliation and merging with another being. And this is why it's not at all wrong or improper to see romantic love as the kind of human sacrament <laughs> of... Uh, of the oneness of being and of humanity with God, it's uh, reflected very beautifully in a later novel by Mika, Mika Waltari called The Dark Angel about the um, siege of Constantinople in uh, 19, uh, 1453. And many books have been written about that, but this is one of the best where a man uh, finds God in this philosophical, religious, and romantic novel. A man finds God, a man finds truth, a man finds disillusionment, but he also finds hope in the context of his uh, romantic love affair with a wonderful woman. And uh, while the, uh, the whole love affair is doomed and the whole uh, situation is doomed, then in a sense Christendom is doomed. And yet there's a tremendous, hopeful, powerful, yearning love, both vertical and horizontal, that is uh, absorbed into a kind of reconcilement with the world and the cosmos in this incredible novel, The Dark Angel. It's very hard to find. It's out of print, but I recommend you find it. It's long and leisurely, but profound philosophical and theological novel. Now, uh, what he said, let me talk about these three songs, one of which you've heard, Reflections by Hal David. When you look at yourself, do you like what you see? If you like what you see, you're the person you should be. Now, that's a great lyric because it's mainly just one syllable and two syllable words. It um, doesn't break any of the rules of communicability. It's simple. If you look at yourself, do you like what you see? If you like what you see, you're the person you should be. And then back rackets put that. This tremendous staccato intervention of the of the tune and the lyrics of Hal David. I mean, isn't it true? If you do look at yourself in the mirror, do you like what you see? And if you like it, then you're the person you should be. But if you don't, then you need to go to Shangri-La or the equivalent in your life. And then uh, he uh, um, brings in the powerful thing I was just talking about of when Peter Finch falls in love with the Liv Ullman character who's been so treated with contempt for this part she played. And it's very good. The more passive she is, the better she is. I mean, I've seen The Passion of Anna, and I've seen all those other movies, you know. I've seen all the movies. We, we, I've saw scenes from a marriage, and I will never forget it as long as I live. We saw that in a little place called Empingham in uh, Rutland once, and that just about killed us. So I know about those things. Um, but uh, you do too. But um, she, her very passivity and kind of wan smile <clears throat> is what gives her part such um, cachet. Because uh, when he, he lays his life down, I come to you. I come to you with all I am. I come to you. Uh, it's a short, beautiful song, and I'll leave it for you to you to find out, to listen to it. You can do it on YouTube right now. I will give you the, the, the tune of the final one. And this is very, very um, true about men and women. It's about romance. When you present yourself to someone, when you want to love them such that you will marry them, you want to be with them every single day of the rest of your life, you know, like... Uh, 
Michel Legrand, what are you doing the rest of your life? When you feel that way about somebody, <clears throat> it is absolutely the most beautiful, powerful, committed, uh, emotional, heart giving uh, that exists in the world. And he presents it. Now, there's another song by Backrack and Hal David for the movie What's New Pussycat, which was earlier than this, with Peter uh, O'Toole and um, golly, Peter Sellers and Woody Allen, I think. And there's a beautiful song sung by Dionne Warwick, um, Here I Am. And it's the woman singing to the man, Here I Am. She's giving her whole self, just as Peter Finch, as the male, is saying, I come to you. This is something that they really understood, these two creative collaborators. And you'll uh, hear it, and you'll think of somebody. You'll think of either someone who's not with you, or you'll think of someone who is with you, and maybe someone who's just about to be with you. And you'll be enormously touched and motivated and uh, broken uh, in the best way by the song, I Come to You. Finally, Jet, you, know, you notice how the, all these anchormen or people, you know, they, they always uh, give the name of the person they're being interviewed by the anchor too quickly. Uh, well, that's all there is from the White House, Bill. You know, I mean, it's almost like they're, they're trying to show you how acute they are by, by uh, you know, um, so we're down here at Kitty Hawk, and it uh, looks like Hurricane Sandy is coming in, Chet. You know, uh, it's, a, it's a kind of affectation now to kind of give you, uh, to show how on the point they are. Um, but um, I just gave you an affectation. But the last song that I want to focus on is called The Things I Will Not Miss. Now, because it has a double negative, it's always difficult for me. I always um, um, try to find that song on the Internet and get it wrong because I forget it's The Things I Will Not Miss. Just like that song by the U2 that I never could quite get. What is it? The Things I Will Not Leave Behind or The Things That I Cannot Not Something. Whenever you have a double negative, it can be effective, but it can also be what? <laughs> you know, what the fuck? Um, um, the Things I Will Not Miss. And that's a very powerful song. I, I identify with it. I wonder if you do. Because one character, I think it's a Sally Kellerman character, says, um, who's just been in the world in which you and I live, and she says, The Things I Will Not Miss. And what are they? You'll hear it in a minute. Noise, crowds, work, and rain. Now, she's singing this with the Olivia Hussey character, who is, uh, remember, from Romeo and Juliet by Zeffirelli. And Olivia Hussey is singing um, that she's been in Shangri-La so long, so many hundreds of years, or whatever it is, that she, um, she, she wants noise. She wants people. She hates solitude. She hates contemplation. She'd much rather have work, and she hates everlasting sunshine. She'd much rather have rain. So she wants the opposite. So finally, they agree to disagree, and Sally Kellerman, who's very much relevant, to the listener and the viewer who's, do you want more noise? I mean, I live in a place with so much noise pollution. It should be such a quiet little town, and it's so busy. I mean, you'd think you were in literally downtown Back Bay or South Philadelphia here with, between the lawnmowers and the leaf blowers, which is nothing compared to the sirens and the hoopla and the constant uh, uh, motorcycles with now they have outdoor speakers on motorcycles so you you know you can play Steppenwolf you know born to be wild but instead of having it in your earphones it's blaring from your they ought to outlaw it but all I'm trying to say is uh, who doesn't want to get away from the noise I mean have you lived in I lived in northwest Washington recently in Montgomery County near Connecticut Avenue I mean my gosh it was like you were in a in a bubble of noise and helicopters and everything and crowds. I mean, have you been to the mall recently? Have you tried to get to go to a fast food place on a major highway now? What you do is because they built so many malls on right off of Route 95, not just, you know, um, uh, 
fast food mall culture places, but real live, gigantic, even mid, mid-end mid malls, you get off on 95 at some place, whatever it is, and then you get off or Nashville or something, and it's, it's not no longer just an Arby's. You get off, and then you have to get off from the other thing, which takes you to a gigantic suburban mall, which is not suburban. It's a freeway mall with 10 trillion stores, and then you have to get off to go to that, make your left turn, and then you have a kind of access road, which takes you to the high end or middle end, like Starbucks, the Panera Bread, the fast food place. And then once you get to the actual place, this is the fourth left turn, fourth left to right turn off 95 or whatever it is. Then the fun begins because there are so many cars in the Starbucks that you can't get in the place. You just have to wait in a huge line until somebody backs out. Well, all I'm trying to say is that's just the way it is in this country. Crowds, crowds, crowds. Who wants that? And what about work? I mean, honestly, I mean, come on. I mean, sure. I'm sure you like your work in some respect. I'm sure there are aspects of it that is what attracted to you, you to it in the first place. I fully acknowledge that. But think of all the attending circumstances and all the things you have to do, like expense account vouchers and um, airline travel and um, taxis and accounting and reporting back and reporting before, before you actually do the thing you came to do. And then just when you're about ready to do the thing you actually enjoy doing or give the presentation about something you really care about, there's an emergency and the meeting is canceled. If you've ever been a lawyer, you'll know that you can prepare for litigation for months and months and months. And then at the last minute, there's a stay or a cancellation or they settle and you've put in like a thousand hours of work and it amounts to absolutely zilch. So who doesn't want to get out of that? Now, interestingly enough, uh, Sally Kellerman kind of conveys this to the character. Olivia Hussey can't hear her. And when Olivia Hussey says she'd rather not have sunshine, and Sally Kellerman says, well, how can you have too much sunshine? And, you know, that's really true. I mean, yesterday here, it was, it's December the 10th, yesterday, 2012, and where my other members of my family live, it was snowing and raining and sleeting. And here we were having, you know, 80-degree balmy temperatures, cool and crisp, like a late August day in uh, Vermont, you know, late August day in Vermont. And here it is, the uh, middle of December in Florida, and it's absolutely beautiful. Who, who would really want anything else but that unless you were perverse? We all want four seasons. Absolutely. I agree about that. You don't want it always to be the same. But would you really want to trade this for, um, for the... Uh, for uh, the coastal uh, mid-Atlantic in February? Maybe you do, but I think Sally Kellerman's right. And as it turns out, you know, you don't want to weight it down with a value, but she turns out to be right because Olivia Hussey goes back to the world. Do you remember what happens to her? Well, maybe you've seen the original movie and you'll know exactly what happens to her. And Sally Kellerman is the one who becomes young and happy and vital and fulfilled and in love and loved and her libido and her joy and her satisfaction and her flowering as a human being and her self-expression, all of these things come together in the eternal sunshine of the whatever the word is, quiet mind. Well, that's what we're talking about. So we're going to hear that, and I just want you to uh, uh, be aware that this um, notion that uh, if you look in the mirror, uh, what do you see? And if you like what you see, you're the person you should be. And uh, similarly, however, there's the opposite could be true. And then there's the... um, the power of the romantic urge as it relates to the commitment we all have to something beyond ourselves, which ultimately is the reality of God. And that's why I have absolutely no slip-up between the vertical and the horizontal when it comes to romantic love. It is God, and it is God for you. And that people know it. They, they feel it. It's, um, it's, 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 a, it's the expression of God in the now and in the, in the egotistical world of the other. 
ego world of the other, and yet it is also the expression of the um, of the one. That art thou. And finally, um, there's the things I would not miss, and that's the way of life that I really do commend to you, because you know, you can make a living and still do what you want to do. You can make a living. It may not be a big one, but you never know, and uh, live without noise and crowds. It is possible to actually make a living. Uh, I conclude by the story that I think is so hysterical and genuinely revealing about um, Thornton Wilder. He made money, you know, off his great novels and his plays, and he was not a, he was a man of means, uh, of substance, but what really freed him towards the end of his life was the fact that his uh, play, The Matchmaker, had been sold for the musical Hello, Dolly, which was a success, and he made money off of that. The Matchmaker is not my favorite of his plays. It's very interesting and wonderful play, and has one really great scene where the Dolly Levy character talks to her dead husband, really, before making a new move. It's very touching. Um, but I do want to say that it then was sold to Hollywood, where it became the Barbara Streisand, Walter Matthau vehicle, Hello, Dolly, with Louis Armstrong. And then it became a hot property commercially, and Thornton Wilder in that era was paid, I believe, and it's in the book, $100,000. And in that period of time, that was enough to set him up for life, for the rest of his life. And he said, you know, isn't it strange that I've worked on writing all these books, I'm still so doing all these things I want to do creatively, and yet here I am, the real money's coming from a play that, that it was done a long time ago that was, that was turned uh, in two different mediated stages, produced this vast amount of money Money, which will give me the freedom to live as I would hope to live for the rest of my life. And that's really what can happen to you. You can, uh, um, God is in charge of uh, the, the river, capital R, is in charge of your financial well-being. And that's why Sally Kellerman's words are to be uh, listened to with a great openness. Thank you so much. And I hope you have um, been strengthened by podcast 128 dissociated chef d'oeuvre. Thank you very much. On the list of the things that I will not miss, first of all is noise. On the list of the things that I will not miss is peace and quiet. I would like to try it. Different people look at life from different points of view. But the things I have just now, just now, I give it all to you. On the list of the things that I will have missed, I would mention crowds. On the list of the things that I will not miss is open spaces. Why can't we change places? Different people look at life from different points of view. If you really want the things I have, just help yourself, I give it all to you. On the list of the things that I will not miss, I would mention work. On the list of the things that I will not miss is contemplation. Sounds like a great vacation. Different people look at life from different points of view. If you really want the things I have.
Yeah. 